So today, we continue in our uh, Advent season, if you will, and being able to look at the different aspects of this type of season. The theme that we've been looking at, of course, is reveal, reveal light in the darkness. And as we do that, I trust that you will have opportunities to reveal the light of Christ in you to others around you. It might not be by bringing your Bible out and quoting Scripture to them, but it's definitely going to be by your lifestyle and and how you act and, 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 and what you do in times of stress and difficulty. People are watching and they want to see that there's more to this life than just day in and day out, uh, work, sleep, work, sleep. People want to see that there is a hope that they can come to. So uh, light in the darkness is what this world needs. And dur- during this Advent season, we, we are discovering what this means. Last Sunday, we looked at uh, Mary's prayer and we asked the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your life? And we looked at that, and we looked at how it, through the theme of personal praise, and realized that like Mary, our hearts should overflow in praise to God. And today, we're going to be looking at how how we will reveal Jesus' light in our world, in your world, where you're at, your community. We'll look at Zechariah's prophecy and uh, see that Advent can be a life-transforming experience as we receive Christ. Also, too, believing that God can do the impossible. Uh, Next Sunday, we'll ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your community? After the choir sings their cantata, then I'll bring a a short devotional on that and what that means as well. And uh, realize that during Advent, we can renew our praise to the Lord. And then on the last Sunday of Advent, we will ask the question, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your legacy? And we'll look at Simeon's prophecy. And we'll also, too, uh, through the theme of God, the gospel's endurance, we'll, we'll hopefully realize too that Simeon's, Simeon provides an example of an enduring life in the Spirit and how that can work through us as well. So today, looking at Zechariah's prophecy, we'll be camped out in Luke chapter 1. So if you haven't turned there yet, you sure can. And uh, we're going to look at two portions of Scripture in that chapter as we look at Zechariah's prophecy. So again, today, trust that as you leave from here, you'll realize that you can believe the impossible because God can do the impossible. And Advent can be a life-transforming experience, especially, especially as we receive Christ as our Savior. So Zechariah's prophecy is filled with celebration over a God who accomplishes the impossible. But he wasn't always convinced. His story teaches us the importance of trusting that God does what he says he will do. And I trust that's something that you're learning or have learned and you're continuing to learn, but you experienced. That God will follow through with what he says he will do. And this prophecy from Zechariah is filled with powerful language and and, and stirring imagery. Filled by the Spirit, he speaks these words at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. But before we can understand this proclamation that we're going to be looking at, we have to understand his backstory. So look at verse 5 with me and follow along as I read through those verses. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, 
there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his, after this, his wife Elizabeth came, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And we'll end there in verse 25. So today, we're going to examine Three particular points raised by Zechariah's story here in verses 5 through 25, as well as Zechariah's prophecy in verses 67 through 80. But Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, were unable to have children. Their hope for a miracle dwindled with every passing year until old age confirmed the fear that this prayer would never be answered. But one day while Zechariah was performing his priestly duties, the angel Gabriel appeared to him with impossible news. Elizabeth, your wife, would soon give birth to a son. But instead of rejoicing, then we have Zechariah, you know, should be filled with and thrilled with hope. Zechariah asks, how can I be sure of this? And as a result, then Gabriel says that, that he will be unable to speak again until John's birth. In fact, this prophecy that we're going to be looking at here, beginning with verse 67, is the first thing to come out of his mouth since that moment. So, as we look at this portion of Scripture here, we can see a few things here already. First of all, asking questions is permissible. 
Asking questions is permissible. God will never punish us for asking questions. God welcomes our questions. When you are going through your day and you are faced with difficulties and you wonder why, why would a God let this happen? Why would these things go on? How come I go through this difficulty? Why do we have so much pain? And you have questions because you're wondering why? Why would God this? Why would God that? And you're trying to figure out as you walk along in your faith, figuring out that journey as a Christian. But God welcomes our questions. Newsflash, he is big enough, big enough to handle them. And he will also help us as we wrestle with them. He knows your heart already. He knows what you're going through. He knows your questions. Don't be afraid to voice your questions to him. He knows that when you ask questions, it is a sign that you think he has the answers. Question him. Talk to him in that way. Ask when you have those questions. Go to him for those answers. In Zechariah's case, though, we have a seasoned priest who wants to know how he can be sure that God will do what he promised. Contrast that, and maybe you're already doing this already, but contrast that with Mary, who also asked a question when Gabriel appears to her. And she she said, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, you might say, so what's the difference here? (laughs) She's asking that question. She's okay. Zechariah asked the question, and then he can't talk for until his son is born. Maybe in Mary's case, we have a young girl who's asking honest questions about logistics. <laughs> Think about it. She knows how this kind of works. And if this is going to happen with Joseph, how will this happen then? And, uh, and Gabriel helps her understand. Even while believing that this miracle is somehow possible for God, Mary is able to ask that question and get that information, figure it out. So she still believes this miracle. She's wondering, how is it, how is it going to come about? Zechariah, though, you have this guy who's been in the ministry for a very long time. And here he is, wants to know how he can be sure that God will do what he promised. Are you really going to follow through with this? Yeah, it's, going to be, it's been a long time. My wife and I haven't had children We gave up on that promise. This is an issue of trust. It's an issue of trust. He is not sure that God is able to do the impossible. Have you been faced with the impossible before? And then want to ask God, how? How? How is this going to happen? That question alone can have two two directions. It can have a direction of, how is this going to happen? Because, wow, I, I believe that you will come through, but how is it going to come about? It can also go in another direction of, how is this going to happen? Because you, you haven't come through sometimes when I've been wanting you to come through with some things. I, I don't know. A matter of trust, a matter of belief that God can do the impossible. When you're faced with the impossible, trust him. He will bring you through it. He will will provide what you need. He will open up those doors. 
the impossible will happen. Just, just talk with some people you know that have gone through difficulties and you've seen them on the other side of it and how God provided through those situations. And we were just facing, probably read in, in Maddie's blog about provision for her. The impossible, faced with an insurmountable amount of finance, financial expense, trying to come up with that. And God just brought it all in, bit by bit. To assure her, yes, you will be going to Uganda. You will have this trip. And she's prepared to go on this. And God is preparing the way every step of the way. What in your life are you facing as an impossibility? Or maybe because you think it's so impossible, you just don't even try. You don't even ask God about it. Maybe we should start beginning to put those impossibilities before God and say, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I believe that if you want me to do these things or you want to have this happen in my life, you can do it. You can do it. I'm just going to come along for the ride and watch how you're going to provide through this. We need to place those impossibilities before God and say, have at it. (laughs) Let's go. Let's see what's going to happen. But remember, asking questions is permissible, is permissible. Another thing we can find out here when we look at the prophecy that Zechariah speaks of is that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Uh, Another connection between Mary and Zechariah is that both show just how far God's goodness can reach. The pregnancy of Mary and Elizabeth are both physical impossibilities, and yet both experience the surprising joy of motherhood. God demonstrates in this story that, he, that his miraculous grace reaches all the way across the spectrum, from teenage virgin to barren womb. God can do it. For God, nothing is impossible. A third thing we can find out here in this uh, portion of Scripture already is that preparation is essential. Preparation is essential. After the birth of his son, John, Zechariah's prophecy spells out the type of ministry that this miracle child will have. He says that John will be a prophet of God, going before the Savior and preparing the way for him. This, in a sense, this, in a sense, is what the season of Advent is all about. Expecting, preparing. It is a time which we prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. I trust that as you've been going through these days, uh, beginning December 1st and moving along on this, on this trip of Advent, you've been preparing your heart in a way to meet the Savior. And I trust that each year we come to this point, it doesn't become like, oh, here, here's the devotional, we'll look at that, all right, what day is it, we'll read it, we're good, done, got that finished, okay, Sunday, second Advent, okay, we'll probably light two candles, all right, good. Don't go through the motions. Anticipate how God is going to bring something new to you this season. Prepare your hearts to meet the Savior in a new and refreshing way. Don't let, don't let Advent, don't let this time of year as you've grown up in the church possibly to just have you go through the motions again and realize, well, yeah. And some of you can recite all the different stuff that we might do for Advent and everything else. Look to God and prepare your heart or something new during this time of year. But it's a time which we prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. We intentionally enter into the longing of all of Israel. 
looking out into the distance at a promise on its way. Now, although initially cursed by the Lord for his unbelief, Zechariah was blessed after he insisted that his son's name was John. His following praises amazed friends and neighbors throughout the countryside because they recognized God's hand in Zechariah's restored speech. They asked, what then is this child going to be? What's going on here? This is amazing. Zechariah responded by giving his his song or his prophecy. Uh, It's all about the future ministry of his son, John the Baptist. And his message reminds us of some special things that can happen during Advent. What Advent can be about. Look with me in verse 67 of Luke 1. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days." And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, And he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So here, think about it. You got a guy who hasn't spoken for a long, long time. And he says, his name's going to be John. (laughs) And then he says all of this. (laughs) That's a lot. And people around him are experiencing something pretty incredible. Prophesying about his son, what's going to happen. But through this prophecy that we see here of Zechariah's, we can find three things here about the Advent I want you to, to take note of. First of all, Advent is a time of preparation. Kind of talked about that already. Verse 76. Advent is a time of preparation. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth, if you look back in verses 41 through 45, they were both enabled by the Holy Spirit to express what otherwise they could not have formulated themselves. The Holy Spirit spoke to Elizabeth when Mary came, and then uh, Elizabeth's baby jumped in her womb. It was like, whoa, hey. And then the Holy Spirit spoke through her and was able to connect with Mary. Zechariah, in the same way here in his prophecy, the Holy Spirit brought upon uh, them to express what they could not have formulated themselves. And Zechariah predicted his son, John, would be called a prophet of the Most High and would prepare the way for the Lord. Three things about this preparation that Advent can be a time of, uh, of, for preparation. At this season, it is appropriate to review the story of the first coming of Christ. That's one way of being able to prepare. Review the story of the first coming of Christ. Don't neglect that. Don't read over it as you've read over it before in Luke 2. Continue to read through that and just... Visit those words, rest upon those phrases, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in a different way. 
in a refreshing way. Review the story of the first coming of Christ. The miraculous birth of the Savior is a story that never grows old. It never should grow old at all. It is also appropriate uh, in this preparation time to receive the Lord anew. Not only to review the story, but to receive the Lord anew and refresh in our hearts. It's an opportunity as we come together on Sundays, uh, Advent Sundays, and lighting the candle and hearing about that Advent time to re- re- renew, your, re- uh, receive the Lord in that way. Uh, receive Him in a way where He can show you new things. He can point to you in a direction that He wants you to go during this season of Advent. So receive the Lord anew and refresh in our hearts. And a third thing that we can do in, in preparation is, is, is very appropriate, to renew our commitment to serve Him with all our hearts. To know that God has called us, not just to have Him uh, be Lord of our lives, not just to have Him be our Savior, but He calls us to go out and spread that to others. And we need to be ready to do that. We need to do that in the commitment to serving others around us. And as we serve others, we do serve Him. To serve Him, we go out and we, we see how we might be able to reach others for Christ during this time of year, letting them know that this, this is a season where Christ is the reason for this time. And let people understand that there's a Savior that calls, calls their name and wants a relationship with them. It's appropriate to renew our commitment to serve Him. So to review, to receive, and to renew. So those things we can do to prepare ourselves during this Advent time. So Advent is a time of preparation. Advent is also a time of transformation. If you look in verse 77, Advent is a time of transformation. Zechariah predicted his son would give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And the prophet Jeremiah predicted a time when the Lord would forgive wickedness. And as Jeremiah chapter 31 Verse 34 says, remember their sins no more. That phrase right there should bring you hope. It reminds you of how much God loves you. Remember their sins no more. Three things about this transformation I want to point out to you that this Advent time can be. This season can transform our heads as we receive the knowledge of salvation. We have God's word. We read it. We understand it. We could probably quote the Roman road. If you can, you probably can go back and look at that and see what that, that, how that can help be helpful in bringing people to, to, to a salvation of Christ. But the, all these things in, in transforming our heads, we can receive that knowledge. We can memorize God's word. Bible quizzing was a big thing for that, for the youth group and children, to put God's word in their hearts and in their minds especially, first of all, their minds, which then would be received in their hearts as they put it into practice. God's word never returns void, and we need to remember that. But as we, as we look at this season that can transform our heads, you've got to read God's word. You've got to get into his word. You've got to know what this means as far as uh, knowledge of salvation. How do you become saved? Because if you're going to help someone realize those steps, you've got to know them yourself you got to be able to take those steps yourself too, obviously. 
But you've got to know about it. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to receive Christ as Savior? What does it mean to walk in His ways? What does it mean to pray to a God that you can't see? What does it mean to read God's Word and, and, and get inspired by it? All those things. The knowledge of salvation. You need to read God's Word. You need to be knowledgeable about that. So this season can transform our heads. And, but don't let it just stay there. There's always been known that there's the foot that kills. It's the 12 inches that go from the head to the heart. If you don't make that journey, then you're going to be lost because all the things you know don't matter worth anything unless you receive it into your heart. You put it into practice. You embrace it. So this season can also transform our hearts as we receive forgiveness of our sins. This is a time of year to be reminded of that. We have forgiveness of our sins. What we know needs to make that 12-inch journey down to our heart and act on it. Respond to it. As God has taught you different things from His Word, as you've learned different things from other people, godly people in your lives, you need to put that into practice. You need to let it sink into your heart and let it envelop you. Embrace it. Embrace new Light from God's word, his truth. This season can transform our hearts as well. And, and thirdly, about the things about this transformation is that this season can transform our habits as well. Our habits. As we allow his salvation to work itself out in our daily lives, as Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 speaks of. Working out that salvation. Our habits can be transformed by the Holy Spirit and by, by God in, this, in, in, in these ways. So Advent is a time of preparation, it's a time of transformation, and also it's a time of illumination. Hopefully you can remember all those because of the Asian, right? Illumination, verses 78 and 79. The prophet Malachi also predicted a time when the Son of Righteousness would rise with healing in its wings. Zechariah predicted that God's tender mercy would cause the rising sun to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. And Isaiah also predicted this very thing in chapter 9, verse 2 of Isaiah. He said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah predicted it. Zechariah predicted it. The prophet Malachi predicted it. This is a time of illumination as well. And three things about this illumination I want to share with you real quick. The coming of Jesus illuminates our path. Illuminates our path. We were living in darkness. We were once in that. But when Jesus came in our life, wow, things got, things got revealed in our life. Light came into our darkness. And we realized what we have before us and what we can do as far as as we walk with Jesus and as we journey with him. He illuminates our path and lets us see what's ahead. Not too far ahead, as some of you have probably experienced, which you probably have wished that God would reveal way far ahead so you can prepare. But God knows just enough, knows just what we need, enough of what we need. He knows all that we need, but he just reveals enough of what we need to be able to walk in that path, illuminating that, that pathway along, along our, our journey. 
The coming of Jesus illuminates our path. Also, his coming illuminates our peril. Our peril. We were living in the shadow of death. Remember where you came from before you received Christ as Savior. What you were living like. What life was like. Now, you probably were enjoying life to the fullest in all its splendor. But you also were enjoying all the perils of that splendor as well. The difficulties that came because of the choices you made. The godless choices you made. The choices that you thought were wise in your own eyes. And you continued in that. You were living in that shadow of death. Jesus illuminates our peril and helps us realize where we've come from. His coming also illuminates our prospects. He guides our feet into the path of peace. So as we journey along in this walk as a Christian, he reveals every step of the way and he helps us as we take that next step. It's a step of faith. If you were to be told about all that's going to happen on down 5, 10, 15 years down the line, if, you know, you think God is going to do something like that, uh, you're going to be disappointed. Because God, he may, I don't want to put him in a box or anything like that, but he, he reveals what we need for every step of the way. Just enough. Because if he were to do all that, and reveal all that we were to have happen to us on down the line, it really wouldn't be faith as we took those steps. God wants us to walk in faith, trusting him for the impossible, trusting in him and knowing what he's going to do in our lives, realizing he wants the best for us. So his coming illuminates our prospects. He guides our feet into the path of peace. It reminds us, it reminds us very, very well of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You once were in darkness. You once were part of that. But as you receive Christ as your Savior, now you are, you are a light in the Lord. You've, you've got that. Live like that. Live as children of light. And I don't think it's a mistake that he used the word children. Because as you read in Scripture... Jesus talks about that, to live like that in your faith, faith of a child. Live as children of light. So as you receive truth from him and he illuminates that in your life, walk in it. Walk in it. You've got a choice. You can reject it or you can receive it. I trust that you will embrace the new light that he brings to you through his word. So Advent is a time for preparation, it's a time for transformation, and it's also a time for illumination. Now remember, asking questions is permissible. It's all right. Not trusting God, that's the issue. Don't go there. And if you find yourself there, come to God and say, <laughs> before him, forgive me. Help my unbelief. Help me in this. So are you trusting God in everything? That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> are you trusting him in everything? Your work, your employment, 
your financial situation, your relationships with your kids, with your parents, with your siblings, with your neighbors? (laughs) Are you trusting in him for your health? For all those other things that might be going south. (laughs) You think, oh man, what's going on here? Are you trusting him to do the impossible in those situations? Are you trusting in him to work out the impossibility in your life? Are you trusting God in everything? Because remember, with God, nothing is impossible. So do you have some impossibilities laying, laying between you and God? Is it an obstacle? You're thinking, can't get around this, can't get over it, can't go under it. God can help you with that impossibility. And remember, preparation is essential. Is your heart prepared to meet the Savior of the world? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Maybe that's the question that should be asked first of all. I can't presume upon anything here, and I don't want to. I can't play God. I can't judge people either. But I sure can throw it out there and say, have you received Christ as your Savior? And then it's up to you to answer honestly before God. Have you? Have you? If you haven't, wouldn't you like to receive him into your life to make a transforming difference for you? He can do it can transform you in an incredible way. If you have received the Lord as Savior, why not make this a time of renewing your commitment to him as well? Maybe it's been kind of rough. Maybe you've been beaten down by life's storms. You're wondering, boy, I don't know if I can hang on anymore. God, are you still there? And I got to say, yes, he is. He is. Sometimes, though, those clouds get in between us and God, and it's hard to see. Keep hanging on. If you received him as Lord and Savior, maybe today is a day where you, you renew your commitment to him. You say, okay, God, I know this, this has been rough going on, but I trust in you. I trust in you for the impossibility. Remember those things. This is so important, so important. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And when they do, I want to ask you a few things here. Kind of put this in application form for you. You Thinking transformation globally here and how, how we at Happy Valley value spiritual transformation as one of our, uh, one of our core values. How will you reveal Jesus' light in your world? How will you reveal Jesus' light in your world? Let me help you with a couple things about this. First of all, meditate this week on how God has illuminated your life. How has God illuminated your life? What was life like before you met Christ? And what has changed? Meditate on that. Visit with God about that. How has he illuminated your life? And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, mentioned that. Let me read that to you. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and Paul's writing this to the church in Philippi, 
says, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So how has he enabled you to work out your salvation since coming to know him? What have you done with Jesus since you received him as your savior? Someone explained in Philippians, uh, that verse in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 this way. He said, in salvation, God gives you a brick of gold. And daily, you have the opportunity to work that out in gold coins, which you give to others in service and good deeds. You're not doing it to earn salvation. Please hear me correctly on that. But you're working out your salvation. How does that work out in your life? What are you doing to work that out and show people Christ? What are you doing being able to pass out those gold coins and let others see Christ in you? Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. I love these verses. I think it's something that we need to also take in consideration as we go through this Advent season. Pretty direct to us. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, how will you reveal Jesus' light in your world where you live? Are they seeing it? If not, you got opportunities to help them see Christ and help them see that light. I trust that as God has spoken to you about these things and some other things as well, you need to take care of some stuff here the altar's open if you want to come pray as the worship team leads us in some songs. And I trust this can be a time of Advent that will be refreshing to you, renewing to you, a time also to that you can be transformed by His Spirit.